is Richard Wilson speaking. Um, there's some people who know me as Victor Meldrew, but as far as I'm concerned, Victor Meldrew's dead. And uh, thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast. Who's Rachel? Victor Meldrew. Hello and welcome to the first of possibly many revisits of One Foot in the Grave. Most of episodes of Series 1 and 2 where I used to review by myself and I did promise some guests that they could come on the show and talk about them. And my guest today is making a debut is Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. Quite all right. So thank you for coming, Rachel. Um, You contacted me, I don't know how many months ago. Um, just before I think, Christmas, I think. Was it before Christmas? And you were very yeah. complimentary. Mm-hmm. I think you said you're a little bit gutted that you didn't hear the podcast sooner because you would have volunteered yourself on for like whatever series of the show to talk about. That's um, right, yeah. But here we are. I thought we'd go back to the beginning, mm-hmm. series one, episode one, Alive and Buried. But how did you get into the show? I mean, I know all these questions, but for the benefit of the listener, I like to ask <laughs> each listener, uh, each guest even, um, how you got into one from the grave. So what's sure. your one from the grave story? It's very similar to yours, Tom. I think it was um, very much my grandparents um, liked watching it and uh, my dad as well. And um, the first episode that I remember watching was Endgame. I think that's the one with um, the one with the, the McVitie's next door, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's Endgame. Yeah. That's the first episode I remember watching because I remember watching it on Christmas Day with my family. And as a however old I was, probably about eight, nine or ten or something like that, feeling very embarrassed watching Victor apparently... Um, having relations with the with the radiator um and obviously pretending you know you're at that age where you're kind of like you, you don't want yeah. your parents to know that you know what that means so I remember yeah. being really embarrassed and um but also trying not to laugh about it at the same time <laughs> but, but that's the first episode I remember watching live first, that was my first one I can remember mm. watching as it was aired I probably started to get into more episodes or discover more when the box set came out in the very early mm. two, must have been 2002 2003 yeah. but that's cool. Um, and you're still watching One from the Grave to this day, like regularly, or do you just only revisit it every so often? What draws you back to watching One Foot? Uh, well, I love. I probably watch it maybe once a year, probably. I, I, some. It depends on how busy I am. I, I like to sit down and watch the episodes properly. But then I also, when I'm busy doing other things like cooking, um, yeah. I like to have television shows that I know quite well on in the background because you don't need to pay too much attention to it. So. I, I do watch it probably at least once a year, but um, I bought the box set actually when I was at university as a reward for myself to get through the essays and things. So I was like, okay, well, I'll finish this essay and then I'll watch series one or series two. So it ended up being, I'd watch a whole ep- a whole series and maybe do about 10 minutes of an, of an essay, but yeah. Amazing. But, um, you need, you need yeah, that to that's get through, what I used don't to you? Do. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, first things I noticed about you was your surname I felt it was quite a Renwicky name and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I sort I of addressed you as this uh, what, what's your surname it's Pennycate which I think and you, you've consented to give your surname I've not I just put the spot there um, no. <laughs> and it like I say it sounds like Miss uh, Miss Pennycate uh, down at the florists that's what I imagine Margaret to say <laughs> or something Miss Pennycate came in today and purchased some freesias or something it so, is quite um, an unusual name yeah, but you you are you're getting married and that will change and uh, I, again I don't know if you want to give out your future. Yeah, that's that's fine. What's your, my, what's your new Renwick name going to be? My new Renwick name will be Rowett. So I'll be alliterative Rachel Rowett and um, still sounding like a one foot in the grave character. So yeah, I, I, I think happy. so. Yeah, yeah. Penny Kate. I was saying Penny Coates for a while in, in my mind, but I had to keep reading it back to Penny Kate. But yeah. Penny Kate, um, yeah welcome to the show and yeah you will Thank be you. uh helping me break down episode one endeavors for it to not be so analytic or meticulous but we probably will end up doing that because listeners have heard it all before from me but <laughs> the length of my episodes used to be a 40 odd minutes but when i have guests on they're much longer so we probably are going to go into uh that kind of territory um okay well we'll delve straight into c1 episode one of alive and buried who's rachel oh, Okay. All right. All right. C1, opening up. Uh, do you know the company name that Victor works at? No, oh, I 
No, I don't. Mycroft Watson Associates. First thing I ah. notice, Mycroft is close to Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, it means nothing other than it sounds like it. And Watson uh, is um, apparently an artificial intelligence software for IBM. Uh, and I don't know if that's just fluke. That I mean, it's nothing to do with... I don't know what company Mycroft and Watson are. Are they solicitors? I, I don't know. He's just a security guard, isn't he? Yeah. Well, we'll see Mycroft and Watson. They're characters from Sherlock Holmes, aren't they? Uh, Mycroft, yeah. Sherlock's brother, and Watson, see Doctor Watson. So, and then of course Renwick wrote Jonathan Creek. So that mm. sort of investigative. Uh, so maybe yeah. that ties in. Yeah, ties in with that perhaps. With the opening scene, we, obviously we haven't got. We're, we've not introduced a Victor yet. We're introduced to um, presumably the company owner and a receptionist i don't know yeah it's a it's susie blake and valerie minifee where have you seen these two actresses before have you seen them in anything else i don't know <laughs> i've seen um so valerie minifee is actually in another one for episode susie blake is the blonde lady yeah she's been yeah. in loads of stuff but coronation street is one i can think of and valerie mm-hmm. minifee and men made madly you watch that uh, um, I, I, no, that's not no. something that I watch, no. And I was just mentioned rearranging the dust as one of the, it was a non-speaking part. And she's right. just one oh, of one, of the, she's one of the twin ladies. Yeah. Yeah. One of those two. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Interesting. So they're obviously referencing the fact that they've had to get rid of somebody. 26 years sitting behind a reception desk. What must that do to a man's brain? I should think it does a lot of good myself. Mm. I suppose it's a bit like one of those polar bears that just suddenly snaps and ends up lumbering around its cage, bellowing at everyone in a rather irrational manner. 26 okay. years in a job, they, they seem a little bit um, wary about telling him, like you would, it's not a fun job yeah. to dismiss somebody, is it? No, no, no. I think they reference his age, he's 60 years old. They reckon it'll be quite exciting for him, but I mean, that was the old retirement age, I'm led to believe, 60. I think so, yeah. I think it won't be long. It is, and I don't think it'll be long before it's, um, you know, there's a trap door underneath your desk and um, that'll be it. (laughs) That's how they off you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll be working until about 90. Yeah, that's probably the uh, unfortunate um, situation for you and I. I don't know if you're close in age, but yeah, it's got a long way to go, unfortunately. I think Um, so, yeah. It's a very short opening scene. It doesn't really tell us much other than a character we're yet to meet is going to be dis- forcibly retired, shall we say. I did think it was funny that they were dismantling his desk so blatantly, like that they didn't take in the desk away to um, to, mm. to take it apart. It's very, very public, isn't it? They could have just used him. that. De- they could have used that desk for something else, couldn't they? They could have done. Yeah, not very, not very twenty, not very twenty twenty two in their um, recycling habits, is it? No, they could have um, upcycled <laughs> it. They could have done all sorts. Uh... Stuck it on Gumtree. <laughs> we're at Wingate in the next scene which is obviously at the first half one thing I like to do is quite make plenty of comparisons between you know what we're seeing now and what mm. we come to see in the later years and now I've reviewed everything about one from the grave it, it's uh, I'll probably pick, be able to pick out more and more differences and we I mean I've spoken about it quite a few times about the quality of series one aesthetically speaking versus series two onwards mm. But before we even get into that, um, Victor, we see, well, we see Margaret straight away, don't we, actually? She's on the mm. telephone. To She's on the phone Mildred to Mildred. Touches. Yeah, I know. Do you think it's that Mildred? It's not that Mildred, Mildred no. I think no. Margaret confirms as such. It's definitely Mildred not. at the Butchers, apparently. Mildred at the Butchers, okay. Margaret's come for the telephone, and the number of times Margaret's on the telephone in opening scenes, but this is the, you know, this is the very first we'll see of the Mildreds. Before long, Victor walks in. He's, he's This is the chap who doesn't yet know he's going to be retiring by the end of, end of play that day. I presume it's all on the same day. I think so, yeah. That's the impression that I get. Although Margaret comes home, doesn't she? She's, she obviously only works afternoons. She does work part-time in the florist, doesn't she? Because in the, in the later scene, she comes home from work and Victor's already there. That's so very true. I assume it's the same day. Timelines are always funny in comedies, aren't they? What you do analyse is Victor... It does. People say, has he always been quite uptight and intense? And he clearly is from the get-go, from our point of view, because he's just mm. running late, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he can't find his keys or something or other. He looks very smart, very trimmed as Richard Wilson. He does, um, yes. He'd only be about 56, 57 in this, but he's supposed to be 60. 
obviously this 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 was 90 in 1989 wasn't it um mm. which my dad wanted to wanted me to tell you that apparently when this was aired i was in the philippines with my mum at the time he wanted me to, to, to oh, okay that. so <laughs> that's fully acknowledged um, on the podcast in yeah the, uh, philippines 1989 <laughs> yeah um but obviously this was before i started watching it but i remember sort of looking at victor and margaret and thinking that they were old like my grandparents but it's actually not that old is it really it's not old. I've made made reference to the age and it's just a look it's it's just modern my mum is in mid-60s and I think she looks good you know she's quite Mm. fashionable but there was just I don't there was just a generation where they just they got to 40 odd and they just stuck with yeah they just looked old didn't they and I look back at my late grandparents I thought "You, you look older than you know whatever age they were in certain photographs so uh, Victor and Margaret look they probably could look even younger if they were dressed as characters obviously yeah. I don't know what yeah. the actual actor actress, what they were like in their spare time you know dress sense wise but yes yeah, it's, it's um it might be also like I think young people can be quite judgmental of a, a sitcom let's say if it's got old air quotes there old people mm. in it so if they if you showed them series one episode one or any of series one they might go comedy about old people not mm-hmm. that old especially when you know, I don't know how old you are, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask, but I'm I don't 34. see thirty-four. Oh, I'm just yeah. a little bit older, only by a year. <laughs> yeah, like thirty-four. But then you said nineteen eighty-nine. You're in the Philippines. I thought we're at your yeah. least um, yeah. <laughs> compliment, by the way. Thank but, you. But um, yeah, when you think Victor, what well, the age he dies is that's young, isn't it? If if you if you take the timeline, nineteen ninety yeah. to two thousand is yeah ten years. He retires at sixty, dies at seventy. You know, he's robbed that of a. The, uh... Robbed of 15 years, isn't he? Really, 15, 20 years. It is really, yeah. So I think nowadays, if somebody if somebody um passes away before their mid 80s, it's considered quite young still, isn't it? Now, That's right? Yeah. So, no, it's yeah. Uh, there's a character mentioned, um, Mrs. Prout, which I well, Mr. and Mrs. Prout, which they Mr. Prout shows up in uh, later in the series one and also series two, episode one, with the housewife oh. party. Yeah. And oh, okay. So yeah. about fetishness and stuff. <laughs> he's run off with the um the tropodist yeah yeah uh yeah. Derek gibson apparently they actually give the name Derek gibson you don't see a mrs prout ever again you just you just see mr prout a couple of more times so yeah he's mm. a single guy but yeah victor's unaware of this impending job loss and um getting ready to go to work and uh yeah we'll back at mycroft and watson instantly we don't really get told or shown the fo- unless it was a cut scene but it's sort of we're partway through a conversation with this, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name again, sorry, a Su- uh, Susie Blake's character. How do you ever replace a man like Victor Meldrew? Well, basically, with this box. Just being escorted out of the building, um, and Mrs. Inglis, that's, right, that's her name, Mrs. Inglis. And she's sort of rubbing salt into the wound by saying, look, you know, we've got this new technology, and uh, this is basically why we have to get rid of it. I can't help, there's, there's no consultation periods back then for people about to be dismissed he's just no clearly just not the door, poor bugger i also thought it was a bit particular of his now former employer to say if you want to visit you have to give five working days notice and and he has to quote yeah. a six-digit number i just think oh, just... especially especially that he was a security guard so it's not like he's been worth over 26 years so you'd, you'd hope that he's quite a trustworthy person by yeah. that by that stage um i thought it was quite funny when they said oh they mentioned the whip round I'd love yeah. to know what they actually, what you know, if they actually ever did make good on that, if they did buy him anything, and if they did, what they what they bought him would be quite interesting to. Yeah, um, he's. I think he's probably a likable colleague because he seems quite reserved so. and, and calm, doesn't he? Unless someone yeah. really pisses him off, yeah. you feel sorry for him, don't you? Do. Yeah, I mean, you see a, this like bird's eye view shot of Victor then walking out. I sort of read into this as like spiritually, like God's looking down from the heavens at his next victim as uh, Victor walks yeah. up. It's quite a long, quite it's that shot is there for like a good five six seconds of him just walking, yeah. walking past various signage of just reminding him of, of his age. And, yeah, <laughs> I know it was interesting because I I um I studied film at university. That was I did film in English, so I we did a lot of you know learnt to break down scenes and things like that. And the the overhead shot I thought was very in film speak, it's very isolating, wasn't it? You're very mm. you're, Victor's the only person in that um in that shot, and it's it's quite a vulnerable position to be above somebody and you're looking down on him and it looks he looks very small doesn't he yes and it's, yeah and it's insignificant as well insignificant yeah. yeah yeah 
I, which is probably how he feels. I was always taken aback because I remember watching Series 1, probably the last series that I would have watched was Series 1, which is a bit bizarre, because I would have watched all whatever I had on video, any reruns, mm. and then it's only when the box that came out probably would have watched Series 1 and gone, look, he looks so young compared to mm. 10 years later. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of comical montage of, you know, we said walking past, you know, old people crossings and yeah. stuff. And <laughs> yeah, poor old Victor. At least, he, at least he can keep his um, attire, his uh, outfit. I mean, you know, that's a security outfit. You can use that for other yeah. jobs, can't you? So 26 years, yeah. I remember um, name dropping, I spoke to David Remick. So what, what would he have done before Mycroft and Watson? Because mm. there is talk that he worked at some dairy company. Yes, but that's right. Can we just assume that he left school and worked for the dairy company until he joined Mycroft? I don't know, it's, good. it's fun to speculate what would have suited yeah. Victor. He's very creative, so he could have worked in entertainment. But that's not exactly easy, is it, to get into a paid job? In, no. It's speculation. No. It's just, I don't know what your, your, if you've got an opinion on it, what, what could you see Victor doing? Because he had a number of jobs, didn't he, when he was retired? He but... did. Yeah, I don't know, really. He's um, He does seem to suit security. I think you mentioned it before. I think it might have been on the first time you, you did this episode, that his personality and how he, how he, um, he stands up for things, True. I think a security guard yeah. does seem to quite suit him. And I don't think he's not, he's, He's not frightened, is he? He's quite a brave not, person. That's very true. He's not cowardly. He will, if something's yeah. not right, he will confront it. A, yeah. Perhaps he would have been good in the army or something. Might have been. Very true. Yeah. yeah he's, he's quite regimented with yeah. how he lives his life. Yeah, it's quite okay. straight-laced in some senses, isn't he? That's and, very um, true. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. house is always very tidy. Very, um, you know, it's always very orderly, isn't it? There's not really anything too untidy at the Meldrew household. No, when he's cooking, it seems to be a bit manic in the later series. That's like true. Lobster vongole <laughs> and uh, any curries he's making, but it's generally really tidy. But yeah. I, I reckon in an old-fashioned household, I think Margaret probably is the key player with probably. keeping a tidy house. But but Victor's got time in his hands now to do all these little jobs. Yeah, um, back at Wingate in the living room now. God, what a day! We never stopped. Suddenly, everyone's dying at once. I think you're compiling a special reference guide. The Observer's Book of Crap in your front lawn. <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier signs of Victor Meldrew-type rant is seen here. Although cool, calm and collected, not cool, but quite calm and collected, he's commented on the packets of crisps, wrappers that have fallen into his garden, so we're seeing the very first sort of little things that we'd all get annoyed at but yeah it's just nice to have it on screen an everyday character speaking on behalf of pretty much all of us who you know who isn't yeah. going to get peed off with litter being chucked in your in your garden but it's well quite yeah it's, it's done it, it's done with good humor as well it is talk to me about the decor of this house i mean it's not just the fact that it's obviously it was aired in 1990 but probably filmed in 89 like you're saying it's mm. just something about this series one it's dark it's there's browns and grays it's just yeah. there's such a difference there by the time we get to series six definitely it's very it, it's you've mentioned before as well yeah. i think both wingate and also river um riverbank it's it looks dated very doesn't it it looks very dated it looks very 1970s the sideboards and cabinets yeah. and things like that and the, um, the the early days of their relationship, not the early days of their relationship, because they've probably been together at 30 odd years. But again, from our point of view, Margaret is less angry or less direct with Victor. Yeah, they're, mm. they're having a conversation, they're having like two a two way conversation, but he's he's ranting about I think the litter or mm. and retirement, and she is. Oh, do you remember what, what were they talking about? She was talking about one thing. She's yeah, she's talking. So she's talking about how busy it's been at the um at the florist. There's been lots of funerals um <sighs> and um and things like that. So I made the observation as well that obviously one foot in the grave is very much in the title of the series. One foot in the grave. You know, you're halfway to halfway to the grave. But it it start it starts very much with looking at death. Obviously, you know, Victor's coming to the end of his working career. Margaret talks about funerals and there's boxes, of course, with the security um, security system. And it's very much how the series ends as well. You know, it starts with the theme of death and ends with the theme of death. Not so, sure yeah, I that's, that's what they're like talking about. Yeah. yeah. Margaret doesn't seem that phased that he's retired. I don't know if she's no. just playing it down subconsciously, so it's not a, a big deal. But 
didn't really take that on board before, but yeah, I think it's the same, presumably the same day. We're, we're now introduced to the wonderful Mrs. Warboys, uh, Jean Warboys. Victor's still in the same chair, so whether he's been there all day or not, I don't know, but Mrs. Warboys is that stereotypical Nana thing. She's knitting. 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 Also, <laughs> it is knitting, isn't it? Not sewing. I think she, yeah. She's yeah, knitting, no, she yeah. is knitting, yeah. And she's just making needless comments on Victor's hairstyle, how he washes it. She's very indiscreet, isn't she? Mrs. Warboys, I love her, but you, but you, you couldn't trust her. If she, if you had her as a friend, you, you couldn't tell her things because she's telling random people down at the tea room. Yeah, about, this is very about your, your urination habits and things like oh. that. So how big was it then, Mr. Meldrew? What? This box. <laughs> well, I suppose it was about twelve inches wide. But about... what bloody difference does it make how big it was? It was a box. Third was wires and microchips, and it's taken my job. The earliest case of Jean riling up Victor in this scene is just, I suppose, innocently asking how big, how big is it? What the box? <laughs> Victor's, you know, halfway through a sentence before he says, "Why does it bloody matter?" You know, it's the box yeah. taking his job, and uh, and it's this same scene that he's encouraged to actually keep busy and do things. But like I pointed out before, he does try and take up hobbies and and get part-time jobs but he, he's mm. often he's often played down by margaret or he's yeah. slightly ridiculed mm. uh, whether it's conjuring tricks script writing cookery so he can't win no. they are right to encourage no. it of course they are i did think it was i think they, they mentioned as well about when he was you know, when he was doing his magic uh, magic shows but they talk about the dummy pigeons and yes. of course victor says oh no th- those are real so that just <laughs> I, I guess that um that's sort of foreshadowing later on in Secret of the Seven Sorcerers. But of course, then they've got the, 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 the doves. The doves, the birds, yeah, the the birds show up again in one foot. Am I being a co- Nicky the Cockatiel? Nicky the Cockatiel, yeah. Um, oh, I'm sure it come to me, but I'm oh, sure yes, they... Actually, one of my favourite bits, actually, one of my favourite <laughs> ever moments in One Foot in the Grave is the episode when um, Mrs. Warboys moves in with them when her flat's flooded. Yeah. And she sends and she sends Victor to the flat to go and pick up some of her clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that made you jump when you first watch it. It made me jump, but every time I watch it now, I just it, I know what's coming, but it just makes me laugh so much. It's the way he turns around, really. Oh, I've done a really good thing, and then that duck just flies into his face. I love it. It's just That's so a hell funny. of a set, though, isn't it? They managed to pull off. It is. Hell yeah. Of a set. Yeah. I, I, it I can't. Is. I, I can't think how they did one massive plastic bowl filled up with. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to speak to a a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, a lot of water. But you've um you mentioned it before about Mrs. Warboys. You know, once she's divorced from Chris, she moves into this tiny basement flat. But she had quite a big house before then, so it yes. makes you wonder what what did Chris do and what did Mrs. Warboys do? And I always I always assume that she didn't work. Lady of Leisure. Kept, yeah, I, that's always I assume. It's, it's it's a bit unknown because. David Remitz says he wasn't pleased with that set and he didn't want it to look so lavish. So had he had David Remick had it his way, we might have seen a much scaled down version of that house, maybe much smaller. Then we, we wouldn't mm. even be having this discussion or debate. You know, what what kind of wealth was she into? But of course, when mm. when her and Chris divorce, um, she's I don't feel like she's got a fair, fair share of the, um, the, the, the money because she's in yeah this ground floor accommodation mm-hmm. so yeah it's one can again speculate in this scene right now i think there's the first and this is throughout i think the series that mrs warboys you know encourages victor to take part in the the wi amateur dramatics mm. yeah which you know we'll see a little bit of that on and off even into series six mm. with mr swaney's uh outward bound for the elderly over 80s <laughs> uh actor acting growth over 80s but yeah i mean <laughs> I think it's referencing who's listening actually christmas special for mrs warboys is trying to plead with victor to play a part in the nativity i think it was the back half mm. of a donkey in one year <laughs> That's some, right. good, some good continuity in one foot they do keep these little uh yeah. these little things going um yeah, i think we we might have dwelled enough on that scene oh by the way did you uh do you think it's obvious or assumed at this point when you first watch this this episode that they have children or even grandchildren do we go they're, they're old so they must do or do you not even I, think about it no I, I from from this from this um episode i would assume that they don't have children or grandchildren really? yeah why is that do you think 
I don't know. I just get the you don't really see there's no pictures or anything right. um up around and I'd have thought that probably by well, how far how far is the episode are we? We're eight minutes. I haven't got my glasses <clears> on. Probably. I'd have that. thought that yeah, I'd have thought that by now they probably would have mentioned it at this point in the episode if they've possibly, got grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's absolutely no shame in retiring. It's like that message is spread in this day and age that is like people envy. I feel like people, who, especially if you work, are envious of those who retire. But the message in this episode is like, oh, it's doom and gloom and not the first day of the rest of your life, but like it's the beginning of the end. And, mm. uh, you know, he's only 60. He's like got potentially 30 odd years on, mm. on the planet. Unfortunately, we come to learn that's definitely not the case. Um, <laughs> but Victor. third of that, yeah. Oh, I just can't. I don't even want to talk about that. Poor Victor he should be he should still be with us. Well, he is in the books. If you if you brought the novel. All right. Well, should we move on to the next scene? I think yeah. it's the next day, and it's again it's in the living room, isn't it? And he's yeah. this is the I think this is the day one of Victor Meldrew retiree. Full retirement. Yeah. Full retirement. He even sort of gives us an idea of what his bedtime is because he's it's nine o'clock. He's fourteen hours till bedtime. <laughs> What would Victor, what what would he do in 2022 that he couldn't do then? Like, mm. I don't know what, you know, I don't think he'd have, he'd, he'd even bother with smartphones or tablets, what he might do. I don't know do what you think. Do. I think he would, oh, I reckon he probably would. I think he'd probably join Kindle. one of those. Lo- Kindle, perhaps, or he'd join a local community board on Facebook um, or oh. a rant board um, <laughs> and um, complain about, Complain about Chris Packett on his lawn, the dog poo on the, yes. on the pavement, That's or the um, sort of thing he would do. Which did you ever watch that Jackie Weaver? That thing that went viral last year. Oh, the the, uh, the council, the local council yeah. meeting. Yeah, yeah, he'd probably do something would, like that. I I don't think he'd be rude like they were, but perhaps he would be quite direct if things weren't going according mm. to plan with the schedule, with the yeah. um, the itinerary stuff to discuss. He's very grateful for some junk mail, although it's this is this is just <laughs> highlights how bored he is. But it is just a Wix catalogue. I didn't know Wix was still around in 1990. Didn't know they obviously were. Wix uh, is in the DIY. As in DIY, unless yeah. it's another Wix. I don't know. I yeah, I'm not sure. But I think it's pretty cool that in the very first episode, one for you know we've had Mrs. Warboys, and now we're about to be introduced to our other favourite character in Mr Nick Swaney. <laughs> Good morning, sir. Uh, my name's Nick. I'm calling on behalf of the Outward Bound Scheme for the Elderly. I'm looking for Mr uh, Victor Meldrew. Yes. Oh, th- that, that's you. Oh, that's thrown me. I was told you were in the granny annex. Granny annex! <laughs> Yeah. And I wonder if, if he was, I, I wonder if David Renwick was planning to bring him back if there was a series two onwards. But I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did. He, I, I feel like he had almost too much of a, he had too big a part, I think, in this episode for him not to, him yeah. not to crop up again. But does, I don't, I don't know if he does again in season one, does he? I don't think he pops up again. No, he, no, he doesn't. It is just this one episode, I believe. Mm, yeah. Victor is rude to him from, I think that, Victor is never rude to Mr. Sweeney, apart from this episode, I'm sure. Episode, maybe maybe, yeah. maybe um, in Luton Airport, no one can hear you scream, because he's not directly rude to him, but he's annoyed with this annoyed, new neighbour. yeah. That mm. demands that you don't pull the flush after 10 o'clock. And, Which but... I would, I, yeah, I sympathise with that. Oh, absolutely. Can you imagine yeah. that, being told when you can use your facilities? Um... Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Um, just something I noticed as well about when Victor's standing in the hallway, he's very much but the colour scheme, he very much matches the colour scheme. Oh, okay. His, um, his his um shirt and his trousers match oh, the walls <laughs> and the um the clock on the wall and the coats hanging up. So yes, that's, that's he's, very he's, true. He's, he's become as bland as his um as his surroundings. He has. I didn't I didn't really take on board that. Yeah, he has. He's he's blending in. Yeah. yeah, just having a little look, a shot of the um, hallway. I do love the um, what we get in series two onwards in in Riverbank. The camera at the top of the stairs. I mean, again, you're, mm. you're a film student, so um, I don't know why I've mentioned you're a film student because you already said it. But I just love that <laughs> um, consistency we have. Where yeah. someone's at the front door, and you just you're almost like you're stood on the top of the stairs, just taking in the atmosphere. But they, do they have that in, in Wingate? Uh, just looking at a scene now where he's going up the stairs. You sort of do have it. Similar, yeah. Very similar. He wants the day one of his retirement, but he's chasing up a security systems job, Stapleton Security. 
Mm. So he's already trying to find work. So he's not really. That, that just tells us he's not ready to quit. Which no. If this was day one, then that is, he's already onto it. I feel like if you're chasing up a job application, it's been a few days. So maybe it's not day one. Don't know. Reading into things. Possibly not. No. I mean, usually we'd we tend to sort of ask. We say within about three or four working days, we'd get back to somebody mm. um, if they'd been successful in the next round right. so but yeah I suppose this is different now isn't it it's very different he had to have probably written written to them use a snail yeah. mail rather than email <laughs> or use a job board so perhaps that's what he would be doing he'd be using total jobs or something like that total to find jobs a job. <laughs> or indeed what was the purpose of Nick Sweeney's visit so I mean it's a reminder isn't it that he is oh you're apparently this old guy who might need he might benefit from you know my outward bound for the elderly scheme Victor's far too young for that it's it's crazy he that you'd have, you'd have sixty plus year olds in amongst eighty something year old people. I know. I, I wonder uh, where they got Victor's details from. That, I was going to ask well. you that. Where words got about? Probably from Mrs. Warboys. I'm sure Mrs. Probably. Does Mrs. Yeah. Do you think she does? I don't know in one foot universe how far Wingate is to Riverbank, but because Mrs. Warboys lives around the corner, doesn't she? At this point. But do you think she knows Nick Sweeney? She's just blabbered, friend of mine, her husband's. Possibly. You know, Possibly. I, know. I, I wonder if it's, just, it's through all the um, all her friends at the WI, perhaps. She's yeah. got gossiping with them. Because they, oh. they'll all mostly be ladies of a certain age, won't they? And probably gossiping about, oh, my friend's <laughs> husband's just retired and yeah. he needs something to do. And um, probably put two and two together, assumed he's an old man and needs some help and sent Nick round. I think that's a fair shout. I think it's a fair mm. shout. On to the car mechanics now. Uh, Nick Maloney opens up this scene. He's, as you will know, you know, played a couple of characters in one foot. Mm-hmm. This opening line by Victor. Uh, good afternoon. You're... Uh... Victor Meldrew, the Crimson Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> one of those quotes that on One Foot in the Grave forums, people forever posting up just as a quick one foot status but probably the second example of the episode of a victor meldry run it's just representing those who've ever dropped their car off at the mechanics and they've not stuck to their promise <laughs> and car troubles is a, will be a theme throughout one foot yeah this mechanic is very polite and very bit shady but he doesn't half let off some anger <laughs> in the background which comes back which i thought was very 40 towers isn't it it's very yes it was 40 with the Waldorf salad. With the Waldorf the um, chef, and he comes in with a yeah. uh, baseball cap covering his eye to make it look Yes, there does appear to be a slight hitch with that one, sir. <laughs> There wasn't purpose to that scene really, other than just to build it's just character development as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. It doesn't have any I don't think it has any consequence further down the line, apart from I guess later on when his car's not working properly and he's we'll get just to that li- in a minute. But I just yeah. literally realised that of course there's a purpose. Just yeah. yeah. We, we then see Victor <laughs> being given a lift. Because he's going to an interview that we should mention that he's su- successful so far with his application. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Good old Victor, mm. and but he's he's sandwiched between two old two old ladies in Nick Sweeney's car. So actually, tail between his legs, he's he's making good use of outward bound for the elderly, and he's get that is one of the perks of joining this um this group. You know, you, you get you know, chauffeured around pretty much. But of course, the car breaks down, so they then have to push the car, which is a funny visual, isn't it? Just Victor amongst <laughs> these older ladies. Old ladies. Yeah. But Nick Sweeney just drives. He just drives off, doesn't he, once the engine starts, which I find funny. He just drives off, which then the scene ends abruptly. But well, I assume he comes back for them. I know, but, but yeah. I just imagine he's having a, a bit of a senior moment himself and, and forgets them. But Victor <laughs> is late for his interview that we've come to learn in the later scene in the living room. But although he's the, the next scene is the first sort of creative side to Victor we see, don't we? What's he, what's he doing? Yeah, um, he's got Mrs. Warboys in the guillotine. <laughs> I don't think I feel very well, Mr. Meldrew. It's <laughs> to be a bit stiff. It's been in the attic for 12 years. All it needs is a good clout. Mr. Meldrew, I don't feel very safe with it. Maybe the uh, blade's gone a bit rusty. Oh, bugger that. Part of his magician act, which I noticed he 
could have given a good dust before he put her in there. <laughs> it's covered in cobwebs. Did you hear my chat with Doreen? Because she, she was very um, did, yeah. generally scared. She felt quite sick doing that um, stunt. Well, so I don't, very, don't blame her. <laughs> very much in character. I do love that continuity that we do see him in Secret of the Seven Sorcerers trying out mm. these tricks. So that's really good. Yeah. He's doing like one of the, that infamous Houdini trick. Mm. Isn't it? He's yeah. tied up very casually. And I'm, we see that in Jonathan Creek as well a little bit. Did you say you watched Jonathan Creek? No, I've not watched Jonathan oh, Creek. I'm so surprised you haven't. I think you'd really like it. If you like that. I probably would, yeah. It's very similar in humour. Some of the mysteries are so so amazing. Any Anything significant from this scene that you've uh, written down? Um, well, I wrote down that poor Mrs. Warboys, of course, she's <laughs> yeah. often the... Um, often the the victim of of victors um of misunderstandings or um chaos basically um and um the other thing i noticed as well was that margaret's obviously helping victor like chain yeah. him up and was she his glamorous was she his glamorous assistant back in the day i wonder this is very this is yeah i've never thought of it before because hmm. she oh, seems yeah. to know what she's doing this is true. It's just all done rather casually and rather quickly, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But we do we do have a little bit of insight to his interview. I think was he late and he was the interview was quite rude to Victor. Mm. Oh, the other thing, the carrot in with Mrs. Warboys, I thought was quite funny. The what? Sorry. The carrot in the guillotine with Mrs. Warboys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was her finger for a long time, and I thought, no, that's not a finger. That's yeah. A carrot. Oh, so there's talk of Margaret keeping up his his spirits, Nick. She says that, you know, your former colleagues, there could be... So an old colleague came into the shop where she works with a leaving card. Didn't want to waste a stamp on poor old Victor. But yeah, she gave Margaret the card. <laughs> but she thinks there could be a surprise party. So yes. that's built up in his mind that maybe they do care. It's quite sad, really. But yeah, he's he's thinking that maybe he's going to get a proper send-off. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame. Well, it, later in the day, um, Victor's back from collecting his car. Quite an expensive car bill. And... I think Margaret's taken out of Mrs. Burkett for a meal. Victor thought she was dead. Uh, Mrs. Burkett will be will feature later yes. in the series, right. of course. Later in the day in the hallway, um, the radio is on, and I wonder if that's Owen Brennan talking, playing a radio DJ. Did you hear that? Oh, when he's talking about um, the, the politician. Yeah. The politician? Um, I, I couldn't make out the conversation on the radio, but I feel like that's almost well, certainly Owen Brennan. I think he might be credited for us to look. Well, we're running a bit late. Can we squeeze in one more question, please? The phone rings. It's Jean from the community centre. She references um, a Mr. Matthews that's doing the stage lights. And I was just trying to think, is that a Mr. Matthews, the guy who in Dramatic Fever fell from the top of the, you know, the mm-hmm. stage lighting? From the, yeah, from the balcony. Oh, yeah, not the balcony. I don't know if that's a different... A... Yeah. Yeah. Very high up. But I think if it was, I think he might be known as Martin, because I replayed the episode i, I wrote mm. down martin so that's probably unless he's martin matthews gene just asked if he if victor can come down and run through his act seems to be persuaded to come in the late evening and i, I wonder what act he's going to do is it the ventriloquism is it or the magician the magic possibly the magic probably have yeah, the magic of course it is yeah. yeah that's why we saw the guillotine there sorry no, i asked that <laughs> that's all right that's okay i i I thought it's quite interesting how when she rings him and call and speaks him, she she says, "Oh, it's Mrs. Warboy." She doesn't say it's it's Jean. Yeah, it's that's throughout, isn't it? They never address yeah. each other by Christian name. No, quite cute, no. really, isn't it? They keep to that. It's very formal, and um, just just as a side as well, the um, when Victor's listening to the radio and um, he turns it off. Does he turn it off very abruptly? Anyway, I remember watching that. I remember watching that scene, and my godfather, who's actually also called Victor, funnily enough, right? He thought that bit was so funny. He actually he literally passed out laughing. With that. He had a he he had a whiskey in his hand, and he just he was laughing so much he actually he blanked out for a couple of seconds, and we we were really worried. Yeah, we were really me and my parents were just like. Hang on, did he have did he have smarties with him? No, no smarties. No, he just literally, literally just started oh. laughing. He was literally, you know, just laughing, and then dropped his dropped his head and his um his whiskey I, I, all over the floor. I feel like I want to just replay that quickly. One more question, please. Yes, I'd just like to ask the Chancellor how he would feel about having a rather large hole bored in his head. <laughs> 
That's better. How was it for you, Chancellor? Extremely well. But yeah, I... so that's that actually happened to my godfather, Victor. God, and he's Victor as well. That's quite special, really, isn't Victor. it? He's <laughs> Victor. And um, yeah, he's a he's a bit of a he's Is a he bit still of a with loner us? as well. He's still with us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, does he know you're on the podcast? He doesn't, but I'm sure my dad will tell him. Okay. <laughs> have I, have I, is your dad listened to this podcast then? He hasn't, but he will do. Uh, he's got a sport, he his will girl. Do. Yeah, he's one Yeah, his... definitely. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, I hope, uh, hope yeah. I don't disappoint your, oh, uh, no. your pops. I'm sure not. Back, back to this scene. So, what we get from this is, you know, he's persuaded to go. He, he, he was very much a, a reluctant no, but he seems to, in his head, connect the dots. Oh, maybe this is, maybe this is a surprise party. Uh, Mrs. Warboys has helped set up, and uh, yeah, he's mm. very, very keen to get ready for the ball, shall we say? Yeah, uh, it's a bit tragic, is. isn't it? When we're at the community it hall, is. he's in good spirit. Nobody's in that hall, dressed to impress. Yeah, and know. it's just that the hope. The hope in his face is almost you know you don't really ever see Victor like that you don't really ever see him hopeful about things and it's just yeah, it, it's just it's crushing cold. really from under his feet it's in yeah because yeah. it, it's pitch black so he's thinking oh here we go the light's gonna come on it's the light's gonna come on yeah yeah and Mrs Warboys makes a comment dressed up like a dog's dinner or whatever she said he still does have his equipment in the car though I think he brought that with him anyway we don't see him use yes. it but he was he must have had some doubt because he packed it otherwise you if you were confident you just wouldn't bring all your yeah, that's true. Stuff. But poor old Victor, that's the first sort of like, apart from the fact that he's been, you know, maybe redundant, not redundant. Um, Well, yes, redundant. It's, it's the second saddest bit already. Mm-hmm. Episode one, series one, and we've already got a couple of dark moments. Not dark, but just yeah. actually sad. Yeah, quite, yeah, quite bleak, aren't they, really? And it's just Jean, just how Jean describes things as well, talking about flexi time at the abattoir. I mean, it's just absurd, isn't it? That sort of... <laughs> It's just just so her, so typically oh. her. The short episode. Are they, how many minutes are these? Because when I was reviewing, I thought, um, blimey, I've already twenty nine, twenty nine minutes. So a standard half seconds. an hour. Yeah, okay. So mm. it felt it felt like twenty minutes when I was watching it. That's gone quick. It's not a lot happens. I mean, yeah, storyline wise, we're we're learning a lot about this central character who's lost his job. Nothing sitcom wise happens majorly. No, so no. Around, I, I guess it's just setting us up for. Like you said, establishing character and yes. everyone's finding the viewers are finding their feet with it, the characters are finding their feet with it. We should probably say that the final scene is Victor reading out a local report about the fact that because Victor's car wasn't properly fixed, he was it looked like from a policeman's point of view he was curb crawling, which is not legal because <laughs> he, he there was a, a lady on the you know a uh, a sex worker None. or whatever that you you know a prostitute. A lady of the night. A lady of the night. Victor <laughs> innocently asking for help. The court then heard evidence from WPC Sharon Banks, who had been posing as a call girl as part of a police undercover operation to trap curb crawlers. <laughs> First observed the accused driving around the area very slowly with a shifty look on his face. <laughs> she said. After a moment, he pulled up and called out, Excuse me, miss, but can you spare me some time? When I asked what he meant by this, he replied, I may need a hand pumping this thing up. (laughs) A problem, I gather, commonly associated with elderly men. The court then heard that a search of Meldrew's car revealed a mind-boggling collection of chains, padlocks and handcuffs. When quizzed about these by the prosecution, he claimed to have been out that night rehearsing an escapology act. (laughs) To much laughter and merriment from the jury. And though cleared of all the charges before, Meldrew was fined £500 for contempt of court after taking the Bible in his right hand and hurling it at the head of the presiding magistrate. (laughs) He's been to court. He's been, like, I think that's extremely harsh it is he, he gets into trouble with the police quite a lot doesn't he victor throughout the throughout he the does. series he, he relishes it in uh, monday morning will be fine when the, the, the yeah. two detectives he's absolutely he's not in the wrong but he's looking forward to it. i think it's because they haven't got a tv and he he's misses so bored. It, it's, yeah it's, yeah it's like <laughs> yeah but you could go to i would just assume if i was arrested i could go to jail, go to jail. but no I, I, i've just been I've arrested just been, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You've got a whole new life ahead of you, Victor. I mean, you've hardly started. 
I've got it all still to come. Yes. That's what scares me. And he does, doesn't he? He does have it all to come still. It's the, you know. I know. I mean, imagine if um, a mystic Meg was to tell him, you know, you've got 10 years left, mate. You've got to really make the most of it. You, you're going to you're gonna have a bumpy road for the rest, you know, for these last 10 years. But yeah, as a first episode, I mean, I've said this before, you know, series one of many sitcoms aren't the strongest, but it's only when mm. you fall in love with that sitcom, you go back to it and go, actually, I really yeah. do like it for what it is. And it's just, it's, mm. a, it's, it's slow burn is a bit of a common phrase to use, but it sort of is in a way. Yeah. You've got to build these characters up. I mean, Margaret is, I don't feel Margaret's properly developed until series two or three, really. No. So many, no. I'm just trying to think of other obvious comparisons from you know, this early series, apart from the fact they move house and Victor gets that much. They both get angrier, don't they? Not angrier, but more intense, more fed up. And I don't know if Margaret gets more fed up because of Victor's ways or just it comes with age for her. Yeah, it's it's a totally different, it's almost like a different series, really. To, there's, there's so many sur- surreal moments in the first series, though. I feel like as mm. the series progressed, you were, they were a bit more spread out, but there's quite a few that felt like they were chucked in. What your sort? How did you score yeah. that out of ten as a opener? As an opener, um, well, I, I think because I just love One Foot in the Grave so much, it's probably for me, it's probably, it's probably not, probably about a six and a half, maybe out of ten, perhaps. I'd, it's I'd not, it's not, that. it's not one of, yeah, it's not one of the best episodes, but I think as an opener and because it's because it's One Foot in the Grave, the first episode. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I don't think any of any episode for me would probably go below six and a half, to be honest. <laughs> I know Endgame's your first episode you watch. Is, is that necessarily mm-hmm. your best, the one you enjoy most, the one you rate highest, um, or is it? My, well, I love Hearts of Darkness. That's probably my overall favourite. But I do also love One Foot in the Algarve. I love And I don't I know if that Algarve. would... Oh, it just makes me... just That's that's probably the one that I would go to as my feel-good, real feel-good Um Yes, it's, it's definitely... One Foot in the Algarve is a good watch if you are actually going on holiday. I will I will mm. put that on if I'm going to the, even if it's just a, a day at the beach the next day. Or I've been to the I've been to the Algarve. I've probably mentioned it, but I just that was that holiday was One Foot in the Grave heavy for me. I was reading the Richard Weber <laughs> book. I was uh, I think I didn't have if I could have had One Foot in the Grave on my phone back then I would have. It's 2013. I've, phones were mm. capable of having that but I just didn't think it's put one in the grave on but I was mm. on a you know I was on a holiday probably couldn't spend it watching tv yeah I couldn't find that exact location on the beach because there was like you know when they come down some steps just off the cove I couldn't find yeah. any end because there's so many that stretch of beach goes on for miles mm. obviously so didn't spend the whole week trying to look for it but yeah it's a great holiday all right well that's the first episode that's the first hopefully it feels um Good to get the to be the first guest to re-review the very first episode again because no, um, I feel honoured. Oh well, thank you. But yeah, please come on again and help I'd me love to. with another episode. That'd be really good. Um, okay, well. So, Miss Pennicott, you, you seem very calm and, and chilled and very nice in spirit, but we all have um, a moment where we like to moan about stuff. So here's your chance to uh, rant away. What's your... You, you might, I think you have more than one you were saying, is that right? I do have more than one, although I can't think of... I've, I, I can't think of the others that I came up with, but the my main Meldrew moan is people who... Well, specifically joggers who jog on the road and not on pavements when there's a perfectly nice pavement right next to them. Yeah. And cyclists who don't use a cycle lane when there's a perfectly nice cycle lane to use. Oh, my I God. Just, I, I just find it so annoying. Do you ever feel that you can speak up, though, and say, excuse me? No. Does the... No. No. I, 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 have conversa- I have conversations with myself in the car when I'm driving along, but I've never, ever open the window and um and never say anything we and just very don't do we kind of <laughs> but um but yeah never say anything but then yeah. that really annoys me have you experienced that very recently or just that's one well, that came to mind living in living in surrey obviously we're since the olympics um right surrey was very much part of the um 2012 yeah 2012 olympics very much part of the road cycling route so right. we get a lot of lycra clad people 
um in the area that um yeah I'm sure a lot of your listen a lot of the listeners are like clad people and um I have nothing against you personally but just I do against you collectively I can't bear you or you annoy me (laughs) well that's a good that's a good whinge any more um people who throw their cigarette butts out of car windows I hate I can't stand that it's just so gross it's it's horrid I'll never forget tragic story to say but I was at McDonald's many years ago in the car park and it's, it's tragic what you've got a group of youths in their car just chucking out the litter like yeah and there's a bit for me to have confronted that I'd have had to take a beating probably yeah so that's where Victor would have probably stood yeah. up and said oi and he probably would have got beaten up but at least well, he would have put in the bin himself but it's not in is it worth it I don't know it's you can just it, they weren't really chucking out food it was just litter but which means it's easy to be easily clear if it was like literally the food is just all messy but someone can put that in the bin it's clean enough but yeah i just i just haven't got it in me to go excuse me uh, excuse me no me very neither. few times would i would i have stuck up for myself to a member of the general public even in a car like have you ever had road rage aimed at you because you might have given it a bit back i mean it's happened um, to me. I've, I've had an incident so I've asked you a question. I've interrupted you. Have, have you right. had, have you had anything like that happen to you before? Um, no. I'm usually if, if somebody if somebody cuts me up or something on a on on a dual carriageway, I might throw my hands up or something yeah. like that, and then they'll deliberately go slower in front of me, which is which. But I uh, know I've never I've never had anyone actually sort of verbally verbally right. attack me. Um, it's right. always been from a distance. Yeah, I mean, we've all probably been on the receiving end or been the, mm. the angry driver. I just mm. had this years ago. I drove out where I used to live um, in the centre of town, just over like a mini roundabout. And obviously you give way to the right. If you give way to the right, obviously make sure no cars come in. So I had to give way to the right, but there was loads of time for me to just go straight over the roundabout. But the problem is the car that was, was basically in the right to go first they were just speeding so basically mm-hmm. they sped up so it looked like i cut them up and they were flashing me oh, i hate so that so i sort of tapped my brake lights just to say all right stop it like i get it you stop going crazy and um i was i needed to indicate left to go i think i was going to a chinese this is a second anecdote which involves fast food <laughs> i was going to the chinese on the way to my friends and that's that horrible moment where i indicate left and they did as well oh, oh no okay. Like, oh, they go to the same place. Yeah. So obviously I cancelled my indication and I drove straight on and got to traffic lights. It's not good. And it was sort of, must have been autumn winter time because it was dark and it wasn't mm-hmm. that late. And I looked in my rear view mirror and I saw their dashboard lights come on. So they they opened their car oh, door. No. Oh my God. And they went crazy. They were banging on my car window. But actually that's the best thing they could have done because out of sheer panic, I overtook the car in front of me. I went through red lights. <laughs> so dangerous <laughs> and basically crossroads and I just I could have caused an accident but I just thought I would have got a, a, an absolute beating and I just drove yeah. off and I just circled the edge of the town I lived and just that I basically they wouldn't have had time to get in the car they would have had a couple of cars in front of them so I did a really dangerous and illegal thing but to protect myself <clears throat> and I lost them and um, ever since then I think twice before getting cross with someone just in case it's an absolute oh, you just don't know. yeah you don't even know even if you're in the right it's like do I risk it no. so you know and I've got kids in the car I'm not gonna no, for my children not. I'm not protect them I'm not gonna just get wound up over something minor mm. so yeah that's my that's not really a, a moan but other than the fact there's some absolute crazy you know some crazy people out there they're everywhere unfortunately yeah yeah so how, how have you I mean you're bound to say nice things but how, have you enjoyed your uh debut on the podcast I have loved it I've absolutely loved really? it yeah yeah I've really enjoyed it if um if you would have me back I would love to come back of course I would well thank you very much Rachel Pennycate and you're very um, welcome it's been a pleasure to have on the podcast well thank you for having me it's been an absolute delight Who's Rachel?